They actually seem to believe that we don't know what they're doing and what their game plan is, but we do. And we're pissed because it's been our work, it's been our treasure, our blood that's done everything positive America has ever done. It's been its citizens. It hasn't been a bunch of elitist thugs who are parasites on the very system they seek to destroy. They call us deplorables, insurrectionists, domestic terrorists, even as they allow deadly drugs and countless numbers of people wanting to destroy us across our borders, even as they push vaccines that kill our children and imprison real American patriots and commit treason many times over. Well, we Americans are unlike any people tyrants have faced before. We know our rights, we demand our freedom and liberty, and we demand the servants of the people learn their place. Hello, Patriots. Welcome to episode 188 of the Patriot Review. It's an honor and privilege to have you here with me. So today's episode is uh, hopefully inspirational to you. I Once in a while, I will pick some videos that I see that are, I think, uh, very timely, given the times we're in. And uh, the, the first video, I have two from Billy Graham today that really uh, spoke to my heart as well as what I know about what's happening in the world today and uh, I hope that um, you know regardless of your faith that you give it a chance to, to listen to and hear the messages that he's talking about you know number one I want to do and you may be saying hey Jeff why are you doing this well number one is because we've had a lot of conversation as of late here on the Patriot Review about the threat that is Islam political Islam and the number of people coming across our borders actually it's both north and south you know we talk a lot about the south but uh our northern border is also a problem and uh we need to to be aware of that so why am i doing this well I'm, i want to draw and show you the sp the stark difference between muhammad and jesus number one and then also i want to start off with how important time is and the importance of using your time appropriately and for me you know you've probably heard me say if you've watched this show before that i believe faith is a very very personal thing and um, i certainly don't can think that um, you know i can give you all the solutions and all the answers to all your issues but i can at least have you receive a message and think about it and uh, hopefully that helps. But first, before we get to that, I only have one story I want to share today. And that is this, that to, to put us in the mood, the college football coach goes viral when he glorifies God in rousing speech after title win. I don't know if you've seen this or not. This is uh, coach Andrew Di Donato's Grove City College Wolverines 
It won the, the President's Athletic Conference and advanced to the NCAA Division III playoffs for the first time in their school history. And this is the message that he had uh, after that win. Yeah, I'm forgetting it. Congratulations on winning a college football game. <laughs> think about for your life the power of a vision. I want you to think about this for one second. That 2016 class that we say, the reason we say congratulations on winning a college football game, that 2016 class, 0-10. Remember, 0-10. On August 13, 2016, we said to glorify God in the pursuit of earning a degree, building lasting relationships, and competing for PAC championships in the midst of a long losing streak. And just think about the power of this moment. I know you've heard it before, but how a vision keeps you focused, a vision keeps you fueled, a vision helps you finish. You're 9-0 at 0-9. Brett Pinson, senior. Think about this for a second. He transferred in after his freshman year. He went 0-30 in his time here. 0-30. Think about this. Monday night of the last week of his senior year. Brett, why are you going to practice today? To compete for PAC championships, coach. Think about that. Think about your causes bigger than yourself. He went 0-30, but he went and practiced his senior year so that this program can compete for a PhD. Just think about that. Powerful. That's why we say congratulations on winning a college football game. To glorify God in the pursuit of earning a degree, building lasting relationships, Now, for those of you that are, are not able to see what the response of those kids was, uh, you need to look it up because they were, of course, thrilled at what he had to say and what their situation was. And my point in saying that is there's a group of people that really took advantage of time. And uh, I frequently say, and I've told you before, that I like the way Mark Levin speaks about time in that uh, we're exchanging whether it's the time it takes to earn money to pay taxes, right? That's a part of your life you never get back. So time is, of course, critically important to everything that we do. And uh, I want to get into that first and have that whole discussion and have Billy Graham make that point to you about time. Do your days, do you realize how important every single day is? I want to speak tonight on the brevity of life. Do you know in the days of Jesus, as fast as a person could go was as fast as a horse could run. In 19, and that happened all the way until 1830 when we developed an engine faster than a horse. You know, we've invented all of these modern things to save time and we have less time than ever before. We have a lot less time now than my father and mother had in the horse and buggy days. And yet we have fast automobiles and fast airplanes and we're running from place to place like mad people. Time is collapsing on us. How much longer do we have? God will endure forever. But on this earth, we're like a shadow that's declining. We're all dying. From the moment you were born, you started dying. You have so much time, but for what? You have time to serve Christ. You have time to live according to His will. You have time to obey Him. 
Have you done like the psalmist said in 31.15 and put yourself at God's disposal when he said, My times are in your hands? And what are you going to do with those years? Each human being has exactly the same number of hours and minutes every day. Do you know how many minutes there are in a day? 1,440. Do you know how many hours there are in a week? 168. Now, if you live to be 70, your first 15 is childhood or adolescence. You spend 20 years in bed. The last five years are physical limitations and you're curtailing your activities. That means you only have 30 years left for everything else. 30 years to live. And part of that time has to be spent eating and working and figuring up your income tax. The scripture asks this question, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Our time is already in God's hands. God has a day already set for you being taken from this world. It may be in an accident. Whatever it is, it's already set. You will stand before the great judgment of God to give an account of how you spent this life and what you did about Jesus Christ because God gave his son to die for your sins because you see, we're all sinners. We all have the same disease. I don't care what the color of your skin is. God doesn't look at the color of your skin. God looks at your heart. And God sees that you have a spiritual heart disease. And that spiritual heart disease is called sin. It's interesting to me that rich people cannot buy more hours. Scientists cannot invent new minutes. You cannot even save time to spend it on another day. The scripture says that we're to redeem the time. It's a phrase out of the business world. It means to buy the time. Take 10% of your time and say, Lord, this is yours for Bible study, for prayer. Have you committed your whole life to Christ? Has that ever happened to you? Oh, you say, yes, I'm, I've been baptized. I've, I've been confirmed. I've, I, I go once in a while to church. I think about God once in a while. But have you really committed to it? Are you totally committed to him? And are you sure if you died at this moment, you'd go to heaven? Are you certain your sins are forgiven? That's why Christ came and died on the cross and shed his blood. And God raised him from the dead. And then there's the tyranny of time. It controls us and we become frustrated running from one thing to another because we don't feel that we have enough time to get everything done that needs to be done. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. The night is going to come to you and you won't have an opportunity to serve God. Serve him while you can. Serve him now. Put him first in your life. Yet at the end of his life, he said, I finished the work that you gave me to do. God has a plan for your life. And you can finish it with God's help. And he'll give you a joy and a peace that you never dreamed existed if you put your confidence in him. Oh yes, when Jesus left the earth, there were people that needed to be healed and lives that needed to be touched. But Jesus said he had finished the work that had been assigned to him by the Father. 
God has assigned a work that only you can fill. You are unique. Nobody can take your place. And God needs you in his kingdom. Time can be our tool, but we can also be its slave. Even so, time is amazingly fair and forgiving. No matter how much time you've wasted in the past, you can still have tomorrow. Adlai Stevenson once said, It's not the days of your life, but the life in your days that count. You have to buy it. What is the price you have to pay? The price is that you have no time for certain things. We shouldn't drift along haphazardly, doing all the pleasures and all the drinking and all the other things that are wrong. God wants us to love others. The main thing that he wants us to do is to love your neighbor and love people of another race. The one thing that distinguishes a believer from others is love that dominates your life. Your life should be carefully planned. Then there's the termination of time. Brethren, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, time is short. In Revelation it tells us that time shall be no more. Jesus and his disciples spent the 94 verses of Matthew 24 to the end of the chapter 25, talking about the end of the age. As we approach the end of the age, we read in Revelation 12 that the devil will be frantically active because he knows that his days are numbered. Yes, there is a devil. There is a Satan. He's a real person. And they're real demons. And they're going to battle for your soul tonight because Satan does not want to give you up. He'll battle to keep you in his kingdom because there are two kingdoms. There's the devil's kingdom and there's God's kingdom. And you have the right to make a choice which one you want to be in. In Romans 13, the apostle says, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The Bible several times uses the phrase, the time is at hand. Jesus told us to discern the signs of the times. One of the signs is that iniquity shall abound. Pick up your newspapers and watch your newscast. Iniquity is abounding everywhere. Not just in New York, not just in New Jersey, but throughout the world. When the roll is called in heaven, will you be there? Is your name written on the book of life? Because the scripture says if your name is not on the Lamb's book of life, you'll never enter heaven. But when you come to Christ and present yourself wholly and completely to him as Savior and Lord, he blots out everything in those books and writes your name in another book, the book of life, the Lamb's book. Is your name written there? If my name was not written there and I didn't know it, I wouldn't leave this building tonight until I was sure. Because there never, may never be another moment like this in your life. This is your hour with God. And then the brevity of time calls for immediate action. The fact that time is short calls for us to do something about it now because the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, now is the accepted time. 
not tomorrow, today. Things you ought to do, do it now. Money you ought to give, give it now. People you ought to witness to, witness now. Every time the clock ticks, it seems to say now. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. You can harden your heart. You hear a message like this and it can be very dangerous because you'll harden your heart. And the next time you hear the gospel, your heart will be harder and harder and harder. Come to Christ now. If there's even a whisper in your heart that you need to come, you come. Then there's the warning of time. It will someday be too late for your soul. Time is too short for indecision and vacillation. Don't halt between two opinions. Fools say there's plenty of time. The devil says there's plenty of time. Every morning you have 86,400 seconds to spend and to invest. Each day the bank name time opens a new account with you. There may be no tomorrow. Come now. When I tell you you need to come and make your commitment to Christ with these hundreds and thousands that have already come, the devil will say, wait another time, another place. This is not the time. This is the time. The very fact you are here indicates it's the time. By some strange coincidence or providence, God has brought you here tonight. And before you came, you thought you were all right with God, but now you're not sure. And you want to make sure. You want to be certain. Yes, the devil always says, yes, do it. But some other time and some other place, God says, here and now. All right, that is all about time. And I think that his, that his words are, are very inspiring and very... Uh, thought-provoking so he says in there you know the devil will be frantically active and iniquity shall abound well as we look back over the oh, I don't know 70 years we see that there has been a deliberate and systemic attack on our founding principles our morals and um, I'm not gonna get high and mighty and be on the soapbox and and um, and tell you any more than that, I just thought that that was uh, a very, like like I said, a very thought-provoking uh, speech, and I wanted to share that with you. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we will continue. Hey, Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. Let's face it, it's getting harder and harder to make ends meet. It's only going to get worse. This inflation is going to continue. As a matter of fact, our dollar is in jeopardy of even existing with the crazies that want to go to the digital currency to control us all. You can go to KirkElliottPhD.com slash The Patriot Review, get all kinds of free, great information, and invest in gold and silver for your future. Our world is full of electromagnetic fields that, even though we can't see them, are affecting our bodies, our sleep, and even our ability to think clearly. The advent of 5G is only making this worse. There is an answer. Visit Fix the World by clicking the link in the Patriot Review show description below to view natural products that can actually protect you from EMF and 5G and even improve your sleep. Skeptical? Get the free Dangers of EMF Radiation ebook free by clicking on its direct link also in the show description. Here's a nutritional hack anyone can master. Replace a meal a day with our Kingdom Feel. 
or if you're a moth from the gym, add a shake to your daily meal plan. Our unique meal shakes are balanced, low glycemic, rich in fiber, 20 grams of clean protein, essential vitamins and minerals, healthy fat, and organic fruits and vegetables. Kingdom Fuel is vegan with a complete amino acid profile. Bottom line, it's a simple start to a transformed life. No gimmicks, just results. Start today. Hey, Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. All right, we are back, and I'm going to bring up this second monitor here. Just want to... There we go. Just want to share with you that if you are tired of supporting woke corporations, you can do something about it. You can shop at shop for freedom the number four shop for freedom dot online and you can check out a manufacturing company that it makes its products here in the United States the products are much safer than what you buy uh, in the store and the common brands those woke brands that uh, take your money and dedicate that cash towards destroying our society so Check it out. This is shop for the number four freedom.online. Also, if you want to get your hands on some Kingdom Fuel and other uh, and other great products for your health, you can do so at Sherwood.tv. Sherwood.tv slash TPR. All right, so this next video is all about who is Jesus. Uh, because we're talking about faith and we're talking about the value of your time one of the questions that always has to be answered and the reason why i chose this video is again to draw the stark comparison between the political system that is islam and the religion that is christianity and there's a there's a great way to do this now if you don't know much about muhammad we do know that he took many brides we do know that he was sexually active with them as young as nine or younger we do know that he proudly boasted about personally killing over a thousand people. We do know that the political system of Islam calls for our deaths. If you are not Islamic, you are to die or be a slave. And if you convert, you will not be equal to those who, who uh, actually perpetrated the jihad. You will be a slave, a servant. And there's just such a stark comparison between the two. And yet, and yet, our FBI sits in churches, Christian churches, because they tell us we're domestic terrorists and we're, we're a threat. They 
persecute Christians. They over our government overlooks the slaughter of Christians. Just two days or three days ago, I had a guest on uh, Judd who was talking about Nigeria, and I'm going to have him back, so his connection will be better. But a very interesting conversation. So again, we have these two. We have these two. Uh, well, people call them religions, but Islam really is is you know, like I said, a political system that has religion incorporated into it. And there's a huge difference. And if you can't see that, I hope that by comparing the the prophet Muhammad to the the Lord Jesus at least brings you to thinking about, you know, which one is really the threat and which one is really what we should be concerned about. And there's no question in my mind whatsoever which one it is. What was it? That's the question. Jesus Christ, who are you? Who is Jesus? We can't escape him. We try to run from him, but there he is. He keeps popping up everywhere. Our greatest philosophers write about him. Our greatest historians write about him. Our greatest poems and plays are about him. Our greatest architecture is about him, even in the Soviet Union. You go to the Kremlin. I've been in the Kremlin, and it's all filled with paintings and pictures about Jesus. You go anywhere in the Soviet Union and you'll see images and art and much of the music has to do with Jesus. They can't escape him. Well, we know some things about him. We know he was a man. Jesus was completely human. He was representative of man because the Bible says he was identified. He was numbered with the transgressors. We know that he was hungry, we know he got thirsty, we know he got tired. We know that he had the joys of friendship. We know that he wept at the tomb of a dead loved one. We know that he had all the characteristics of a man. And yet, very interestingly, the Bible says that he never committed a sin. In fact, he stood in front of the people of his generation and he said, I've never committed a sin. He said, if any of you, my neighbors, ever seen me commit a sin? They couldn't say a thing. Now, wouldn't that be something for a man to come along, 33 years of age, and say, who of you have ever seen me commit a sin? Well, I'll tell you, if I said that, all my team would jump straight up and say, I have. My wife's here. All of us are sinners, but Jesus was tempted in every point like as we are. He went through every temptation you've ever been through. There isn't a trial or a testing or a temptation that Jesus has not been through before you and he resisted them and overcame them all. Everyone, he was a man. Just like you. But he was more than that. He claimed to be the unique only begotten, incarnate Son of God. In fact, he claimed pre-existence. 
The scripture says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Before time began, he existed. He said, before Abraham was, I am. I am in eternal existence. No wonder they got angry. No wonder they threw stones at him. No wonder they tried to kill him. And no wonder they eventually did crucify him. He stood and said, I am God. Was he? Was he who the, he claimed to be? The son of the living God? One day he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter answered and said, well, some of them say you're John the Baptist come back, or you're Jeremiah, or you're Elijah. He said, I'm really not interested in what the people say. I'm interested, Peter, in what you say. What do you say? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, you've done well. You've passed your examination. But Peter, those are not your thoughts. Those thoughts came from God. It has been revealed to you by God. Jesus Christ claimed to be the Son of the living God. And you know, at his incarnation, or his birth, that was not his birth, or that wasn't the beginning, that wasn't the origin of Jesus. That was the beginning, that was the beginning of his incarnation. Because he has always existed. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God, the Bible says. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, the Logos, the Word of God, the eternal God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and lived like a man among us. That's what the Bible teaches. And when you come to Jesus Christ, you have to accept that. He wasn't just another revolutionary. He wasn't just another hippie. He was not just another great man. He was God in the flesh. And oh, the ethics that he taught. Never a man spake like that man. When you get hit on one side, he says, turn the other cheek. He never said what to do after that. But he did say, forgive 70 times 7. Count that up. How about the little irritations from your wife or your husband? Seventy times seven you forgive. My wife once said that the secret of a happy marriage is two good forgivers. And that's what it is. Two good forgivers. People that can forgive each other. Jesus taught that we're to forgive. He taught a revolution in the way we're to live. He taught us that it wasn't just our outward actions that God judges, but it's the inward thoughts and intents. He said, Moses said that in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I tell you that if you even look on a woman to lust after her, you've already committed it. He said, Moses said, thou shalt not murder, but I tell you if you have hate in your heart against your brother without cause, you're already guilty. He lifted man's ethics to the highest plane. 
and demanded that we live that kind of a life. He himself lived that kind of a life. And the scripture says that he judges the inside. The Attorney General of the United States said the other day that America is imperiled more from within than without. And so are you here today in your personal life. David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. Jesus said, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts and murders and adulteries and thefts and blasphemies. All the evil in the world comes from the human heart. That's got to be changed. And that's why Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be converted. You must have a new beginning. And he can do it. How do you explain Jesus? Jesus Christ, are you what you say you are? You know, they only brought three charges against him to crucify him. One, they said, this man loves sinners. That was one charge. The second, he healed on the Sabbath day. And the third, he claimed to be the Son of God. Was he the Son of God? Look at his authority. Jesus came unto them and spake unto them, saying, All authority has been given to me. I know one thing. He forgave sin, and no prophet ever did that. Jesus himself forgave sin. He said, Thy sins are forgiven thee. I know that he had authority over nature. One day, one night, he was in a storm. The lightning was flashing, the thunder was roaring, the sea was raging, the wind was blowing, the disciples were afraid, and Jesus was asleep in the boat, and he stood up in the boat and said, Peace be still. The lightning quit its flashing, and the thunder quit its roaring, and the rain ceased to fall, and the wind quieted down, and the sea quieted down, and nature obeyed him. And our young people believe that today, because one of their top tunes at the moment is, put your hand in the hand of the one who calmed the sea. He calmed the sea. He had power over nature. I was flying Cliff Barrows and some of us were flying some time ago. I think we were leaving, we went a typhoon leaving the Philippines. And uh, just before we got out of the typhoon, I was, the captain of the plane had invited me to sit up front with him. And it was fairly smooth. We had a lot of rain and all. It wasn't too rough. But all of a sudden, the plane hit something. It seemed to me as though it had hit a wall. It jolted and jerked and quivered and went up and down for about two minutes. And then all of a sudden, we plunged out into brilliant sunshine, into smooth air. And the captain turned to me with the perspiration coming down his face. He said, you know, he said, that was God telling us there's something up here more powerful than this airplane. But Jesus could take a storm like that and turn it around. He could take the lightning and throw it back in the cloud. He has power over nature. Why? Because he's the God of nature. Those are his laws. They're obeying him. He had authority over disease. 
I read uh, the other day where Mao Zedong in China claims to have cured 80% of all the deaf people in China. And one of those men that came back on the ping pong team said that Mao Zedong is the Jesus Christ of China today. They talk about personality cult. Looks like to me they've got quite a personality over there. But Jesus did make the blind to see. He made the deaf to hear. He made the dumb to talk. He raised the dead. According to the record, he had authority over demons. You say, Billy, do you believe in demons? I surely do. And Jesus confronted demons time after time, and he could cast them out. And people that were insane under the powers of demons would regain their sanity. And then look at the death he died. Did ever a man die like Jesus? The lightning flashed and the thunder roared and the earth began to shake. And even the soldiers confessed that this must be the Son of God. Anyone that can see Jesus on that cross and not be touched has a heart of stone. They first took off his clothes. Then they took long leather thongs with steel pellets or lead pellets on the end and beat him across the back until he could hardly stand up. Then they put a crown of thorns on his brow and his face was bleeding. And they laughed at him and they spit on him and they mocked him. And with one snap of his finger, 72,000 angels had already drawn their swords ready to come to his rescue and wipe this planet out of existence in the universe. And Jesus said, no, to this end was I born. And he dragged and lifted and hauled that cross. And don't you black people ever forget one thing. The man that helped Jesus carry that cross was a black man. And don't ever forget another thing. Jesus belongs to Africa as much as he does to Europe and Asia. He was born in that part of the world that touches Africa and Asia and Europe. And Jesus was not a white man like me. Nor was he as black as some of you. We don't know what the color of his skin, but it must have been a dark color like the people of his day, because he was a man like them. Don't ever say it's a white man's religion or a black man's religion. It's a world religion. He belongs to the world.
they nailed him, they put the nails in his hands. And you know what he said? Forgive them, they know not what they do. Forgive them. Could you forgive somebody that's putting nails in your hands and you know you didn't deserve it? He didn't squirm, he didn't yell, he didn't scream. He just took it and said, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's how he confronted the violence of his day. And then, on the cross, he said, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he dropped his head and said, It's finished. What did he mean? He meant your plan of salvation was finished. God can now forgive you of all your sins because Jesus had finished God's plan for your salvation. Because you see, God knows every one of you by name. He has the hairs of your head numbered. God looks upon you as though you were the only person in the whole universe. He sees you and you alone. And on that cross, Jesus had the capacity to think of you. And he loved you enough to stay on the cross. Was there ever such love as that when he could have been rescued and taken back to heaven and to sit on his throne, but he didn't? He said, no, I'm doing it for the joy that is set before me because he saw that he would be raised from the dead. He saw that there would be a gathering in the generations to come of a people for his name that would make up his body. He saw the day when we will reign with him in his kingdom. Yes, they laid him away in a tomb, and that's where Jesus Christ Superstar leaves him. But out in Kansas City, some people got hold of the rock opera, and they carried it right on to the next step, the resurrection. And if you don't have the resurrection, you don't have any gospel. Jesus Christ is alive. And when they went out to the tomb that morning, they heard the greatest news the world has ever known. He is not here. He is risen. He is alive today. And the thing that inspired the disciples to turn the world upside down in their day was the resurrection. They went everywhere declaring that Jesus is alive. You know, some of us Christians live as though Jesus is dead. He's not dead. Oh, you're going through your troubles and your trials and your temptations and your testings and your pressures. And you're under satanic attack all the time, constantly. You know, I think it, in many ways, in some ways, it's easier not to be a Christian in this world. Because the devil may leave you alone. The moment you receive Christ as Savior, you're in for it. Unless you live on your knees and live in the scriptures and keep your guard up and have your spiritual armor on at all times because if you let down even one day as a Christian you're in trouble the moment you receive Christ you see all the world is going this way you turn around and start against the tide as a Christian and that's hard but you know it's hard to be a sinner too the older you get because the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard 
I watch sometimes the programs on television where they have crime. I have never in my life seen criminals work so hard for the money they get. It looks like to me they could get a legitimate business and have a much easier time to get their money. They work at it. That is according to the script. And I'm sure they do in real life. Jesus Christ is alive. And if he's not risen from the dead, if he's not alive, then there is no such thing as Christianity. We're yet in our sins, Paul said, and the whole thing's a farce. Forget it. And then the people that have received Christ, what has happened to them? We had uh, a fellow here the other night that was a Black Panther leader. He said that he thought he could change the world through the Black Panther movement. Until, he said, he met Jesus. And he said Jesus changed his life and took all the hate out. Now, he said, I believe the world can be changed, but he said, I believe it can be done with Jesus' power. That's it. Jesus coming into our hearts. You know, if I had, if I had no proof whatsoever, no scientific proof that Jesus ever lived, I still would trust him because of what he's done for me. The joy and the peace and the security and the love that he's given to me, his grace that is mine today. And then the satisfaction that he gives to those who've trusted him. Who art thou, Lord? Jesus Christ, are you who you say you are? This is the question that every one of you today are going to have to answer. Who is Jesus? If Jesus claimed to be God, knowing he wasn't God, then he's a liar. And we will have to say, Jesus, you're a liar. You're a fraud and a hoax, and you're the biggest fraud in the history of the human race. Or, if Jesus thought he was God and did not know the difference, then he desperately needed mental help. He needed several psychiatrists. The third alternative is that he was who he claims to be, God in the flesh. I believe that the evidence is overwhelming that he is who he claims to be, the son of the living God. But I cannot prove it scientifically. But I can prove it by the lives that he transforms every day. I can prove it because in my heart, I don't say I think, I hope, I say I know. And you know, there's another element in our lives that we don't think much about, and that's the element of faith. You think of the faith that you have to have every day. You have to have faith that your wife didn't put poison in your coffee this morning. You have to have faith in her. 
She might have felt like it, but she didn't. <laughs> you have to have faith in the bank. When you write a check and sign it and you have money in the bank, you have to have faith that the bank's going to pay it. You have to have faith in the government. When you pull out a dollar bill, now I know it's shrinking, but you have faith that back of it is a dollar, that people will accept it as money. Everything we do is by faith. Now, for example, when I come up on a hill, and I live in the mountains of North Carolina, and we have a lot of hills, I don't stop my car before I get to the crest of the hill and get out and walk over and see if somebody's coming up the other side on the wrong side. I have faith to believe that the drivers are going to stay on their side. Faith, 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 everything. When you sat in that chair, had you ever sat in that chair before? I bet you didn't pick it up and examine it and put your hands on it to see if it would hold you. By faith, you just sat down in it. You had faith that people wouldn't build a chair that wouldn't hold you. Everything we do is by faith. All right, take the same faith. Put it in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you will know who Jesus is. You accept him by faith, and he comes into your life and into your heart, and you know that he's who he claims to be. After we watched our daughter Grace die on FaceTime, I uh, immediately felt that I needed to go to the hospital, even though I was still pretty sick. And I met Jessica and our pastor there. And um, while we were in the room, we, Jessica and I let us spend a few moments just with Grace alone. And it was, it was just a horrific. Um, sight to come upon was the fact that her daughter Grace was now gone. Um, the emotions that came over the top of our uh, minds and just our physical bodies were just unbelief. We, uh, we took her BiPAP off because it was still on. This was hope and prayers that somehow she wasn't really gone and as soon as we did that the color of grace changed and um, we had to accept that she was truly gone. Not one person stepped foot in that room. How can you do that? How can you allow an innocent person, a child, she's only 19 years old, die in front of your eyes? You don't do that. If you're human, you don't do that. They knew they weren't going to convince us to put Grace on a ventilator. That means the money was going to dry up. They had to have the money. And when you follow the money trail all the way through, you see that a ventilator is about a $300,000 decision. That they had higher paying patients in the emergency room. Grace was worth more dead than alive.
We don't just need food. We need to eat food with a high nutritional value. Who wants to just survive food shortages? Let's thrive in times of adversity and lack. Optimize your daily nutrition and ensure you and your family have our two-year shelf-stable kingdom fuel as a cornerstone of your emergency food supply. Don't sacrifice your health or your taste buds. Stock up on Kingdom Fuel now. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. All right, so why did I show that those two videos? And, you know, this is supposed to be a political conservative talk show, right? But why why did I show those? What's the point? Well, you remember the first video that the devil will be frantically active. That is for sure that is happening. I mean, we've got the, the comparisons that I've done in the past of Paul Harvey's vision in 1965 if I were the devil, and just checking them off the list as if he was the modern-day Nostradamus, right? Uh, so plenty of that, plenty of the devil being frankly active, plenty of uh, inequity will be abound. Uh, but the message between the, the message between Muhammad and Jesus is, is rather stark, and you can see the difference, and you already know the difference if you are a Christian, but the secular world, of course, only attacks one of them, and whether that's out of fear or out of evil, you can take your pick. But Billy Graham talks about the need for faith and how we exercise faith every day in our lives, and this precisely is the problem that we're facing today. We no longer have faith in the idea or the demonstration of what America is, because the original idea of what America was supposed to be uh, is a vast departure from what we're living in today. And if you want an example of that, uh, I'll show you that we have in the headlines, Biden's DHS pulling agents off of child trafficking cases so they can do what? They can go make food for illegals. And what government would do that that is not evil. That That is a great example of what I'm talking about. This is why we have a crisis of faith about in our nation. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about our faith in our systems. We have a two-tiered justice system. The other day, Sharona Bishop comes on and we talk about the FBI knocking down her door as she's homeschooling her children because she spoke up. Because she exercised her First Amendment rights. We can't have faith in our system anymore if that's what the examples are going to be. We have the J6 prisoners who are incarcerated because they are political opponents to the president, to the regime, the resident, right? We have another example specifically related to Islam, and that is that Biden removes this group, this terrorist group, uh, the Houthis, the Ansar Allah group, and they come out and say, what? Well, they're behind many of the attacks that targeted Israel, killing civilians. Yet we have the mainstream media who's comparing Christians to these people. 
they're they're comparing Israel to these people and saying Israel is the worst of the two. Yet Israel did not attack these people just to attack them. They didn't go behead their babies. The comparison, the difference should be so obvious. Yet the propaganda that's coming out of our government and our system in this country is saying the opposite. So why did I show this? I showed you the, the, the piece about time because the time is now. The time is now to stand up. The time is now to speak out. It's not time to be violent. It's time to be real. It's time to be realistic. It's time to talk. It's time to exercise your freedoms so that we can get our country back, so that re we can remold our country so that people like Joe Biden never set a foot in public service. And there are many others on both sides of the aisles, yes. The, the, the deep state, the uniparty, whatever you want to call them. Those people who are loyal to a globalist agenda and not loyal to the United States and serving their constituents. We need to bring faith back into our government in two ways. One, to understand that our, our government is founded on Judeo-Christian Judeo principles and values and to be proud of that fact because of what they mean. They don't tell you to go out and murder billions of people because they don't share your faith right yet here we are we need to be able to have faith in our system we have a government that removes people from terrorist lists who go out and kill and behead babies we have an administration that pulls agents away from child trafficking cases are some of our most uh, exposed and weakest citizens children and they pull them off so that they can make food for illegals. Veterans are kicked out of the hospitals or out of the hotels so they can make room for illegals. Hospitals are not serving citizens of the United States so they can treat illegals. We have laws for a reason, yet we see them being broken. And we see our side of the aisle being punished, just as Christians are being punished around the world. And that is, that's my message for today. We have to reinstall we have to set the reset button not in the not in the way the globalists want to do it but in the way that ensures that we have a country that's still that's that's reinvigorated with the judeo-christian values it originally had that's it for today folks if you have a comment you can send me an email at red-blooded patriots with an s red-blooded patriots at protonmail.com or comment on the video below obviously we will see you tomorrow. God bless you all.